helps us become those kind of people because we know we can't do it on our own. Um, we're stuck in our own self-centered worlds apart from your grace and love uh, intervening in our lives. And we ask this on Christ's name. Amen. All right. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to uh, jump ahead to just the G. <laughs> the G slide. We've been doing a series called G. Uh, it's the first time we've ever done a one-letter series before. And last week, and, and the G is give. And last week we talked about uh, forgiving and how that is part of the generosity we're supposed to have. So we're not just talking about financial generosity. Actually, we're talking about a generosity of spirit. And, I had some, and last week we talked about grudges. Remember, the, we talked about how to let go of grudges, how to be a giving person, a forgiving person. But I got a few interesting emails, and I just want to read a couple parts of them with regard to last week. Go back to the, go back to the G for a second there, the big G. All right, here's uh, one email. Um, someone who's just talking about uh, forgiving. They said, I specifically have been processing some hurt and pain in my life from some relationships. It's been a victory for me to see the hurt and pain these people have caused me rather than to be angry or unkind and not quite know why I'm bothered by them. And I've been able to process the sadness and validate the sadness. But as much as I want to forgive these people, it's been difficult to do so. We talked about that last week. It's difficult sometimes to let go of grudges uh, when people have hurt you or relationships have been painful. But as much as I, uh, and their offenses are not the grand, on the grand scale of offenses. They just cut my heart particularly deep. So it's helpful to think about giving life to them by forgiving them. Even the day I was able to forgive one of my family members for not keeping their word, and I pictured myself giving life to them in the circumstances they were in rather than saying something to make them feel guilty or bad for, for not keeping their word. So, you know, really practical ways we're thinking about it. What do we do with these grudges we have in our lives? Someone else sent me this email. I enjoyed this one. They were thinking about the word grudge, all right? Tell me other words that rhyme with grudge right now. What, rooms, what words rhyme with grudge? Fudge, okay. Okay, sludge. What else? Nudge. Budge. I mean, it's kind of an ugly sounding word, right? Grudge. Uh, this person wrote, you know, sludge, drudge, pudgy, smudge, judge, bludgeon, trudge. All negative words this person wrote. And they were saying that's such a negative sounding word. And it is, the word grudge, you know, holding grudges. And how do, we, how do we deal with the grudges we hold in life? And so what we talked about, go to the next slide, we talked about how do we become giving people. Next one, we talked about the grudges, and we talked about who is your grudge against or who are the people that you have grudges against. And again, some of you have really big offenses against you. There's been sexual abuse. There's been physical abuse. There's been deep, deep hurt. And so your grudges have a lot of deep pain associated with. Some of our grudges are, like this email I read, are from lesser kind of hurts, but they still hurt nonetheless, and they still make the soil fertile for grudging against somebody. So no matter how, we realize that if we want to be giving, forgiving people in the spirit of Jesus... How do we deal with these grudges in our life? Go to the next one then. And so what, uh, we're talking about forgiving, go to the next one. Um, actually, back up for a second. And I also handed out uh, these cards last week. We've got some more of them that have a small red G going to a big green G. And it's the whole idea of how do I move from being a grudging person to a giving person, to a forgiving person. And... 
again, I got, I, got, I got a lot of interesting emails, had a lot of good conversations with some of you, a lot of good conversations with myself about forgiveness and what does that look like. And so today I want to talk about just another aspect of forgiveness that I think most of us struggle with. I mean, I do. And uh, to do that, we're going to, again, look at the words of Jesus. In this particular case, we're going to look at um, the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. And again, thinking about being the kind of big G, generous, large capacity people. And I want to talk today about something that I think is hugely stands in the way, at least in my life, and I'm, I'm guessing maybe in your life, to being a, a generous person. All right? Let's go right to this passage in uh, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus was, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is talking to ordinary people, but he's also talking, you might remember this, or maybe you don't, he's also talking knowing that the Pharisees are kind of off in the corner. The Pharisees were kind of the spiritual elite. They were quite arrogant, and they thought they had religion figured out. Not unlike you and I can be sometimes. So let's be honest. We can see ourselves in the Pharisees and not always assume that we're the humble ones. Let's be honest. We can see ourselves in the Pharisees, or we can see the Pharisees in us. At least I know I can see that in me. So Jesus is talking to the ordinary people, but he also knows the Pharisees are kind of off in the corner, so to speak. So he's pushing up against their way of doing religion. So when he's saying things, it was statements like these that got him killed because he was, de- he was going straight after the religious kind of life that sometimes we think is the way it's supposed to be lived and it's the way the Pharisees thought it was supposed to, be, supposed to live. So this is where this, keep that context in mind. And Jesus says this, do not judge others and you will not be judged. You've probably heard that, judge not lest you be judged. Again, he's saying that because he knows the religious Pharisee inside all of us defaults to that. We default to being judgmental toward others. So it's a coincidence, I suppose, that grudge and judge rhyme. But sometimes our grudges are because of our own judgmentalism towards someone else. Sometimes our grudges are because somebody's hurt us, but sometimes... It's sometimes our own stuff. In this case, Jesus is kind of coming after that in us. All right? So he says, judge, don't judge others and you not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And you, again, you've heard this phrase, judge not lest you be judged. You know, those kind of things. Now, let me just highlight one thing real quick on this. Because this is a, one of the most, not most, this is a misunderstood passage at times. When Jesus says, don't judge, he doesn't mean you can never make a statement about anything in a discerning kind of way. We are called to exercise discerning judgment. Like we can call adultery sin, sexual immorality a sin, lying a sin. We are, we are called to judge in that manner. He's talking about the condemning judgment that the religious part of us often jumps to where we get upset with somebody else or we judge someone else's motives and we kind of, we, in a critical kind of way. All right. So now go to the next part of the, next part of the passage. And then he says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. 
All right, so again, let me just clarify here. Those of you who have had deep hurts because others have hurt you, the point of this is not to saying, well, you, you were part of the problem too. Now I'm talking about those kind of grudges that happen in our everyday relationships. I'm talking about the grudges husband may have against wife, wife against husband, son against daughters, you know, siblings, work partners, whatever. All right? The grudges that are kind of everyday kind of relationships, the, 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 the blocks we have. All right? Two, two main points I want to make today. Here's the first one. Go to the next slide there. Um, Jesus talks about the reality that we can live a grudge-free life. When he says, judge not lest you be judged, what he's saying to them is, you are capable of living a life without judging other people. You can live grudge-free. And, and, and maybe some of you are thinking, well, I think I do live grudge-free. I don't hold grudges. I forgive quickly. Um, I think sometimes we are, we are aware of those kind of issues. Other times we're not. My guess is every one of us this week has had some kind of grudge issue that's gone on. All right? And to illustrate that, let me go to my favorite street sign that I've made for Exodus Church. And is, uh, this is not metal, by the way. It's plastic. That's why I can hold it up. So don't think I'm really strong. Um, this issue, I believe, stands in the way of becoming generous, giving, forgiving people more than anything else. Is the issue of contempt. All right? That issue, that part, that issue unchecked in our hearts will keep you from being forgiving, giving, and, and generous. It'll, it'll keep you from having gratitude. Any G word that's positive, all right? Now, you might think, hey, what's contempt? Or let's talk about contempt a little bit. Because, again, I believe this is the root. The Bible teaches this is the root. And when Jesus is talking about don't judge, he's talking about condemning contemptuous judgment toward others, all right? And you might think, well, I don't know. I haven't really done that. I bet all of you have done that this week. All right? I have. I mean, I, this is an illustration I've used before. As I get home and, you know, I'm tired, I'm worn out. And I know my wife is tired and worn out too. But there's times I get home and it's like, oh, the dishwasher's not empty. What's she been doing all day? Watching Oprah? Well, I know she hasn't been watching Oprah all day. But for that fraction of a second, I'm just like, oh. Or for that fraction of a second when I'm driving down the road and somebody's going too slow, it's like, dumb driver. Some of you may say other things in your car, idiot. Yeah, let's, let's, let's not, maybe the group we can do next week, Dan, is what things do you call other drivers when no one else is in the car with you? <laughs> All right, remember Jesus said when you, when, you, when you call someone, you fool, raka, which is their Arabic word for uh, fool, and it, raka is said it's, it's like you're going to spit. That's why, it's, that's why that word is there. It's like when you say, stupid idiot, dumb jerk. Whatever, whenever you have that reaction towards someone that's even unspoken, it's contempt. You are, you are, you are beginning, uh, you are having the seeds of what will keep you from being generous. And again, I said all of us, have probably experienced even some moment of contempt this week. Maybe a lot of you, many moments, and maybe you have deep content for some people in your life. And uh, I was just talking to somebody earlier today, and they said they work with some people that are just hard to get along with. And sometimes that's just our natural reaction is, Ugh. all right? Contempt is that feeling you have when you're kind of, when you roll your eyes at somebody, or it's kind of like, kind of the disgusting kind of sigh. You don't even have to say anything. 
and you can feel contempt towards someone else. If you want to be a generous, giving, big G kind of person, you've got to be honest about this issue in your life because every one of us has this issue. That's the nature of what Jesus was talking about when he was saying, don't be condemning, don't show contempt toward others. When you think about almost every commandment has to do with not showing contempt towards someone else. All right? So be honest about those moments when contempt jumps in you. I mean, this week there was something I was, I was, feeling, I was feeling contempt towards someone, and, and, and I knew I was, and I knew I didn't like it. And I was like, Jesus, help me. I, I, don't, I don't know why I keep defaulting toward feeling this way, kind of like this way about this person. I like this person in most ways, but there's one part of this person's personality that's like, I said, Jesus, help me. I, I, so, and you know what I'm talking about. You know when you're feeling that kind of disgust toward your mom, dad, brother, sister, husband, wife, worker, coworker, boss, stranger on the street. You know when you're feeling that. And sometimes we've got to be able to stop and say, hey, Jesus, help me here. This I don't like. I don't like what's coming up in my heart. Because that will stop you dead in your tracks from being a generous, giving person in the spirit of Jesus. All right? So you can live a grudge-free life. And that starts with being aware of the times, the really subtle movements of contempt in your own heart toward people. All right? Second thing from this passage, here I'm using a real deep theological word. Face your own relational goofiness. All right? Goofy. It's not a Greek word. It's an American word. It just means goofy. All right? Jesus said... Before you condemn someone else, before you exercise judgment toward them, get the log out of your own eye. Say that with me. Get the log out of your own eye. What I'm saying is simply what Jesus is saying. Be honest about your own goofiness. Be honest about the ways that you are still a broken human being and you have sinful issues that you're still growing in by the grace of God, but you still have stuff that will cause you to irritate other people. You can be goofy. And I'm not, by using that word, I'm not trying to diminish the weightiness of being sinful people. But Jesus says, get rid of the log in your own eye. You know, I, I was preaching a sermon once. I think I've told some of you this, but I was preaching a sermon at a church in Michigan that I had worked at at one time. And the title of the sermon was um, How to Deal with the Jerks in Your Life. Kind of the same kind of theme. And... Uh, and I had worked at that church about two or three years prior, and I was back visiting to preach. I was preaching on that sermon, and some guy came up to me after the church service. I had never met this person before. I realized later, I talked to him on the phone at one time, and the person said, yeah, um, and I, you know, I, I thought I did a good job preaching. You know, sometimes what pastors say, we hit the ball out of the ballpark. I hit that one pretty good, you know, that kind of thing. And I was feeling really good, and this person's like, yeah, I just want to talk to you. And I said, what was your name again? And it's like, Joe. Yeah. I don't know how to say this, Pastor Matt, but you were the jerk in my life. And I was like, whoa, I don't even know you. And then he said, no, you, we had a phone call two years ago from your office. And I asked you a question about something I wanted to do at the church or something. And your response, I felt really was kind of blowing me off and kind of diminished my energy for what I wanted to do. And I, I was like, well, and I thought, I can see how that could have happened because I know 
I know that's one of my little goofy issues. When I'm stressed or in a hurry, I can kind of invalidate other people. And that's one of the logs in my own eye. So when I, often I have these relational issues with my wife, my kids, some of you, some people I work with. I have to be honest the fact that, you know, there's things I bring to that. Go to this next slide here. Here's one of my illustrations here. If, if conflict, let's say that if I have conflict, what's your first name? Chelsea. Let's say if I have this conflict with Chelsea. I don't know Chelsea. We have no history, so I'm not like bringing up something publicly, okay? <laughs> and let's say there's, there's animosity. There's grudges between us. It's like a two-way grudge street. And I just think, and this is, I always look at it this way. It's like here's the, this pie represents the conflict. And I'm thinking, well, it's, you know, it's Chelsea's issue. If Chelsea wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't be, that we had this tension. And we tend to want to say it's either all her or all me. Instead of realizing, yeah, Chelsea may have added some of the red pieces of the pie, but I, the, the gray stuff, yeah, I suppose I could have responded differently. And yeah, I may have been a little bit sensitive. And I may have been a little defensive. But what we love to do, at least I know I love to do it, I love to say, no, it's all Chelsea. And if Chelsea would just get rid of her goofiness, our relationship would be healthy and whole and grudge-free and, and generous. But I can remember the time in my wife and I's apartment years ago where I felt like God said, do you, do you think you had anything to that foul-smelling pie? Well, I might do a few pieces. I don't know. Yeah. And I started to realize, maybe mine's the red. I don't know. I don't know, again, I don't know Chelsea. Don't, we don't have no conflict here. But my point is, be really ruthless about asking God the contribution you've made to that conflict. Rarely is it 100% them and 0% you. Even if it's only 1% you or if it's 90% you, own that. Be okay with saying, you know what? I'm sorry. I see how I was harsh in that situation. I'm sorry. I think I was deceitful in what I said to you. I really, I should have said it this way. See, because one of the blocks from us being generous as well, not only as contemptuous spirits, but it's a lack of that kind of humility. Because it's hard. It's hard in the situation of conflict to say to the person, you know what, when I said this after you said that, I shouldn't have said that. That was hurtful to you and I'm sorry. It's hard, it's humbling to say that because you're acknowledging that you're not perfect. You're acknowledging that you have goofiness that goes really deep. Go to the next slide here. One of the things I, I use, an analogy I've used before is this is one of those paint slides. I got it from, I'm not sure, Bloomington Paint and Wallpaper or whatever. Not a free advertisement, I'm just saying that. And it's interesting because when I, let's say, uh, when, when, when I acknowledge and I realize, okay, I think sometimes in my conflict with my wife I can be insecure, all right? Or I can be harsh, let's say that. I can be harsh with my wife. And I can be, all right? Men, the Bible says we can be that toward a wife, so the chances are you are at times, not all the time, at times. Well, it's easy for me to say, well, I, I, you know, black's kind of a strong word to say I'm harsh. Can't I just say sometimes with my wife, I'm a little bit short in my words. I'm tired, I'm impatient. Can't I say my sin is more like tropical dusk? That sounds cool. Or, you know, ebony slate. But universal black, do I have to call a spade a spade? And the Bible says, if you want to be free, yes. If you are harsh with that person, 
tell them, acknowledge them, I'm sorry, I was harsh with you. If you have lied to that person, say to them, you know what, I'm sorry, I lied to you. Don't say, yeah, I think there was a miscommunication issue. I didn't mean this, I meant that. When you know in your heart you meant this and you meant them to understand a wrong information piece. And I'm not trying to say, I don't think God, I know God doesn't want to rub our noses in it, but he wants to set us free. And the only way to freedom is absolute agreement with the truth when the spirit of God shows it to you. And that will block you from being a generous giving person. If you don't have the humility, if pride is your issue, you know, contemptuous spirit and pride are kind of related. If pride is your issue and you're not willing to say, yeah, you know, if I'm honest, I think some of my own, like I said, I was just talking with someone before the service today and she said, yeah, I can realize there's some of my stuff probably goes into this tension I'm feeling with this coworker. Well, that person's a humble person because they're, and they're probably more gracious toward this coworker because they know some of the stuff is mine and I'm not going to volcano all the problem on them because then it becomes contempt. When there's no humility, you will have contempt toward others. All right. Here's the question I'm going to ask. Those are my for you today. In your relationships, how do you typically hurt others? And you might think, well, I don't really hurt. No, no, everybody does. When you're in your, when you're having a bad day, how do you relate to others in a way where they may feel hurt or slighted or neglected? We all do this. And when you understand that that's where I'm, bro- I'm broken, then you can invite the spirit of Jesus to heal that part of you. But if you say, well, I really don't think I have any kind of patterns of behavior that are hurtful to other people. Really? Ask your wife. <laughs> ask your son. Ask your teenage daughter. Ask your mom. Ask your dad. Ask your coworker. And again, this is not beat up yourself. This is set yourself free. And uh, I, I kind of know my patterns. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that to diminish them. They're hurtful. There are ways in which I relate. My wife will often call me on it. Some of you have called me on it. Where I know when I get kind of in that basement room of my heart... I can start acting out of other issues in my own heart, other dark, unhealed issues, and I can be hurtful to people. And the reality is all of us have those kind of issues. And your freedom and your generous heart and a a giving, large-hearted, forgiving person has to deal with that part of your own heart. You have to get the log out of your own eye. Then you're able to help and bring healing to someone else. Next slide. I had these last week. I have a whole bunch more of them this week. I'll put them on the side table. But some of you, I I actually fold one of these up and stick it in my pocket where my iPhone is. I wasn't trying to brag about having an iPhone. My phone, sorry. I don't want to be be an eye smug. So... um, Sometimes I'll put it in the pocket in my coat where my keys are. So whenever I touch my keys, I touch this. It was like, oh... Yeah, Jesus, would you bless this person that I have an issue with this week? Would you bless this person that I have had an issue with for years? I mean, stick them everywhere. And the next few weeks, we'll have other, other connections to these same things of how do we move from being small, 
hearted, grudging, sometimes red-hot anger, grudging kind of people to large-hearted, generous, giving, forgiving people because those are the kind of people that will change the world. Those are the kind of people that will change Bloomington. You'll change your marriage. You'll change your family. And that's what Jesus said when he said, I've came to give you life. I've came to give you a fullness of capacity of what you can do. So I'll have these over on the side. I'll maybe have some on the community. I'll have it all over the place. And I put them in this, in this alternate treasure box because giving, gi- giving the gift of forgiveness to others and generosity is just as much, if not more so important to God than giving money. Give both. Be that kind of a giver. All right, last slide, or two last two slides. Show this last week that Jesus, you know, in the midst of his suffering, said, Father, forgive them, these people, because they don't know what they are doing. Here's the final application for today. Go to the next one. Jesus is saying that to you. You know, he's saying, I, I, I have to realize, Father, forgive me because I don't know what I'm doing. Jesus, forgive me because I don't know what I'm doing when I had this contemptuous spirit toward this person I work with or to my mom or my dad or my wife or my son. Jesus, forgive me. Help me understand. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm still broken. I'm still goofy. And you invite Jesus to identify those parts of your heart that are obstacles to your freedom. He will show you. It won't be comfortable all the time. It won't be easy. It won't be pain-free. It'll be releasing you from the bondage and slavery of your past. If you want to be the kind of person that gets the log out and that has that wholehearted forgiveness that you are under. Because it starts with the understanding that God doesn't judge you. God doesn't hold you in contempt. When you do something wrong, God doesn't stand up in heaven and say, that idiot. You may think he does. And some of you know exactly what I'm saying when I say that. God does not hold you in contempt. God does not, he's not disgusted with you. He may be displeased with behaviors you have, but he doesn't get to this, what to do with this stupid person? And maybe that's where you have to start. Maybe your journey is just that connection with Jesus where you understand the love of Jesus for you and his unconditional love and forgiveness toward you. Nothing you have done or will do makes you unlovable in the eyes of God. Let me pray, and then we'll... uh, We take communion here every week, and uh, actually I'll pray in a second here. We take communion every week, and here's what what we do next is um, we'll sing a few songs, and then we take communion, and everybody's invited to come up. We come up just as you want to while we're singing. We don't dismiss by rows. We don't check who's up or who's down. And then we offer you the bread, tear off a piece, 